and help you live a purpose-filled and exciting life here. In 2013, I attended a youth camp which was organised by my home church. And for me, this was a real turning point in my Christian life. After the Saturday night meeting, there were a lot of questions being asked, and young people began to really search their hearts. And it was that night that I surrendered completely to God, and I asked him to make my life shine brightly for him. Since then, he has really helped me to live for him. We, re- we need his help daily, and as we read and we pray to God, as we read the Bible and we pray, God draws us closer to himself. After I left school, I attended university in Scotland. These were an enjoyable four years, but they also brought their challenges. However, I knew the importance of standing up for what I believe in from the very first term that I was there, and I can truly say that God was with me throughout my time there. Um, and just a wee word for young Christians here. Um, do your friends at school know that you're saved? Do you stand up for what you believe in? And what's your company like? Do you surround yourself with good Christian friends? I know what school and what university is like, and it's difficult. And it's really hard at times to take your stand, but if we are truly saved and we want to serve him, God will give us the strength and the help that we need to share the good news of the gospel. In 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30 it says, For them that honour me, I will honour. And I always pray that I will be a good witness and that the Lord would give me opportunities to serve him, even if it's only in a small way. And I thank God for opportunities in my home church in Ballymoney um, to serve and for um, allowing me to be part of the mission team as well that went to Uganda in 2019. I've also been involved in various um, faith mission kids camps and also in university in Christian Union, being able to serve him among students. I returned home from Glasgow in 2020, at that time it was the height of COVID, and although I, I always see myself working here, there were times um, whenever I wondered if maybe I should have stayed on in Scotland and settled, um, because I became familiar with the area. However, looking back now, God's hand was really upon my life. Within a few months of returning home, I had a job here and also met Peter. God's ways are perfect, and his timing is perfect. In Isaiah 55, in the verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. I've enjoyed starting to get to know you folks here in the Grange, and I just want to thank you for your kindness. Um, 2023 is going to be an exciting year for Peter and I, um, and I look forward to getting to know you all better um, and getting involved here in the church. One of my favourite verses in the Bible is a promise which all those who are saved can rely on, and one which I have proven many times. It's Hebrews 13, the verse 5, and it says, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Maybe you're here tonight, and you're not a Christian, and you know nothing about this friend, Jesus Christ. Can I just tell you tonight that he has shed his blood on the cross for your sins too, and he wants to change your life and be your Lord and your Saviour, and you can depend completely upon his word. In 2 Corinthians and chapter 5 and verse 17 it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new.
evening, everybody. Just, uh, let, let you know in advance, I've been warned about speaking fast. Apparently, when I, uh, I start speaking, I guess fast, but I see we've got a good hour, hour and a half to go, so we're all fine. If you can Bible with, with you, you would turn with me to the following passage, please. We're going to turn to Luke 2, uh, starting in verse 10 to 17. And not quite so shortly after that, we'll be turning to Matthew 2, verse 8 to 11. Uh, so just, if you want to stick your finger in there and follow along, no prizes for guessing where the passage is or what's about. Uh, I think the time of year, um, it's, it's kind of obvious. This time of year, the dark nights, the cold weather, we often try and find ways to distract ourselves. Um, Notice it's in by the fire, or I like to see the Christmas lights somewhere. Maybe it's a way to see some of the uh, Christmas events on throughout the, the continental market, or other church events, church Christmas events in other places like the Katana, or perhaps those tours of Bethlehem they do. No matter what it is, it's not too long after it happens that we forget. We forget it. Generally speaking, we forget it all. Maybe a few high points oh. we don't forget. And that person falling in a pond, or just something that really stood out in your mind. Um, tonight, we're going to take, take a look at just a few people who have only seen a few things and you would think, sure, it means nothing. These people never forget what they saw. They've seen it, and they will have taken that to their grave. Uh, all, all good, good, not sometimes you hear people who see stuff, but also for the rest of their life. These would have been seasons of our items and time periods of, of overjoyment and rejoicing. If we turn, turn just then to Luke chapter 2, verse 10, and it reads, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in an angel. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. In the past, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said unto one another, Let us not go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which of the Lord hath made known. Unto us. And they came with haste, found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And this is the verse of <coughs> And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And when all them that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So tonight, our first passages introduces us to a group of shepherds. I was touched on this morning and I was kind of worried that perhaps the thunder had been stolen. As I mentioned, they would not have been one of the, the high born societies, they'd been on the lowest ones, not particularly well liked or respected, if they were chosen to be the first pulled across the earth. When they were pulled, they had a choice. They had a choice. Same as everyone here. They could stay where they're at, mind the sheep, and try and just ignore it. Oh, we all seen that, it must have maybe been a bit too tired or it was a hallucination of some sort. Or they could leave the sheep behind and go see this Messiah for themselves. The sheep which would have been their livelihood, their everything. We often hear, hear, hear the parable of the shepherd who goes to look, at, look for the one. These sheep would have been what these men survived on. 
it tells us the shepherds went to, went to look for the child. We don't know if they all went. We just don't know. Uh, but when they found the child, and explained to Mary and Joseph, they saw this child. After leaving, they were rejoicing, telling others and spreading the good, the good joy, uh, glad news. As they went from this child, they've looked at anything special. We often see at this time of year these, these Christmas nativity scenes where we see the cutely baby in the manger and the mother and the father, perhaps all the animals. And it's, it's a very idealized situation, a scenario. Often you see we heal and all three of them. Wouldn't it look like that? Would it look just like a baby that had been born next door? So what was, this, what was so special about this child? Why were they told to go and seek out this child? Why were angels made to proclaim this child's birth? It was a sinless nature, something you could not see in the outside, something that was in the internal. It was a fulfillment of a promised Messiah. God's, God incarnate as man. These shepherds who had been Jews would have been brought up expecting and believing and waiting on this Messiah to come. A lot of them at the time believed to be some sort of religious leader or spiritual great man or perhaps even born in, into the king's family himself or some royal priesthood family. No, he was just a normal boy. Since Adam and Eve, every human born has had sin. That separation from being able to form a close personal connection with God has been ruptured from it. It's the nature we all have. It's not the acts we perform, it's why we perform them. It's this unbridgeable gap that man cannot mend himself. So if we just turn over now to Matthew chapter 2, we're going to look through the eyes of our second, our second group. We're going to read from verses 8 to 11, and this concerns the wise men. And it reads, And he sent them to Bethlehem, Bethlehem Herod, and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again, and I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold of frankincense and myrrh. This is the time you see the wise men. This group of travelers have been searching for this, the king of the Jews. They'd seen the sign and thought, I need to go and find what that is. I want, I must need, I must need to see that. This is about two years after the shepherds. And these aren't from a Jewish, a Jewish background like the shepherds. We don't know where they're from, but for them to be traveling and to go to the Herod and to be directed through scripture, which if they were Jewish, they would have known. So when they find him, they find him through scripture. It seems true today. Scripture points to Christ. All scripture will point to Christ. It will point from Genesis all the way through. It just simply points to Christ. It's often said that a seeking sinner will often be met by a searching savior. And that's true. It's true back then, and it's true today. The gifts they present also show us important aspects of Christ's life. The gold, it represents his kingship. There's none above him. He alone is worthy of our worship. Matthew 6 and 24 lets it be known that we can only worship other gods or something else. We can't worship two masters. We have to, to direct our lives towards him, or else there's nothing else. The frankincense, this stands for his priesthoods. His priesthood, Jewish times, was the priest who performed the daily sacrifices. These were non permanent 
ritual offerings upon me towards God to make atonement for his sin. That may, and that cap that we have between ourselves and God is only way the, the time that they had. It required a blood sacrifice, normally of a lamb or a goat or an ox. Christ came to present that single perfect sacrifice once and for all for the forgiveness of sins to bridge the gap between God and man. And you'll hear, you'll hear that phrase a lot. He came to bridge the gap between God and man. That is the meaning of Christmas. The myrrh, or the myrrh, which took me ages to learn how to spell that. This goal of his death to come, his purpose on earth, he had voluntarily come to bridge this gap between God and man. As mentioned before in the fragrances, it required death, required a perfect death, one that man is not. He came to take the perfect substitute for man, to take God's wrath instead of you and me. This Christmas, so much of focus on consumerism, given and receiving gifts. At this time and in this year, the only gift truly worth giving is that of your life to Christ. So, never think of right now, great, it's finished, 10 minutes, let's go get some food. But you'd be surprised that the Christmas story doesn't end there. So often in, in life, and in the consumeristic and materialistic world, where they water it down, but they'll just go, the, the, the Christmas story starts with Christ is born, and on the wise men, that's it over. To take a view through our next eyes, we need to, we need to jump forward to Matthew 27 and 54. <laughs> we go to the scene of Golgotha, looking through the eyes of the centurion. We look through this to see the climax of the Christmas story. He is witnessing Christ upon the cross. He is seeing firsthand the reason Christ came into this world. John 3 and 17 states, God sent his Son not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Uh, I'm quite interested in history and I'm quite interested in, in the military history. And so when I, I decided to look up just what you have to be to be a centurion, uh, generally speaking, you needed 10 to 20 years of combat experience. You needed to be able to be strong. You needed to be able to be a good martial warrior. You needed to be able to inspire. This wasn't a naive young boy. This was a, a rugged, hardy, tough man who had seen probably a good lot of what the world had to offer. And the world at that time was not a pleasant place. It wasn't as comfortable or as nice as it was now. This man, after seeing everything he had, his interaction with Christ, could have been his first interaction, he could have been one of the ones that were in the barracks, taking turns beating him. What did he say when he knew Christ? The only recorded line we have on him is, he goes, truly this was the Son of God. He had witnessed Christ's lack of resistance to being crucified, as well as the events of the past few hours. Those hours when he was on the cross, when the darkness was fallen, when he, he witnessed the two, the two thieves beside him, how Christ had offered salvation to one of them, and the other had rejected him completely. Isaiah 53 and 7 reads, He was oppressed and afflicted, he opened not his mouth. He was led like a lamb to a slaughter, and a sheep before the shearer is gone. This meeting with Christ had challenged the centurion, it had made it clear Christ was who he said he was, and Christ had came to come to die. Christ, Christ's meeting with everybody always challenges you, and you always make, it, make a decision, whether yes or no. There's no maybe, there's no sitting in the fence. A lot of times in life where we go, well, I'll maybe just leave it, or I'll sit in the fence and I'll see what way it plays out. Whenever Christ needs to be, or you meet Christ, or you're sitting, there's always an answer. It's always a yes or a no. There's no middle ground in that. The final set of eyes we're going to, to, to briefly look at 
happens a few days later. They're looking at the women as they approach Christ's tomb the following week. They were going to put some spices on his body, as was the tradition. Most likely they were going to put myrrh on it as well, maybe a bit of frankincense. They have worried about how would they roll away the stone to get access to this tomb. There would be a guard put specifically there to keep people from stealing his body, in case people stole his body, made it seem as if he had risen from the dead. They had the worries. We continue with them, round the corner maybe, or through through the, the gate into the front, or into the, the, the cemetery. The tomb is unguarded, the stones rolled away. After that, the grave is empty, the grave is empty. Christ has risen. They had nothing to do but come. All their worries were irrelevant. It didn't matter. Perhaps some of the viewers got worries. You know, maybe my friends or my family will just like it. Maybe I'm not good enough, or I'll just wait until I'm better. Maybe I'll be a better person than I'm a cop. Or as I often do, I'll wait until my death. You know, that's John 6 and 37 gives us assurance. Said, in and him or her that comes to me, I will no way cast out. It's just as long as you are. You don't have to dress up. You don't have to. You don't have to get better. You don't have to kick that out or whatever. Maybe you think you're fine. And you're just not, I'll just leave it for a bit. All you have to do is come. It's a free gift, free to anyone and everyone who asks and seeks for it. Take a look tonight, just at the Christmas story through four sets of historical eyes. Shepherds in the field, we were told, about Christ and had a choice. The wise men who came to worship the king, the gifts they brought, for his majesty, his priesthood, and his ultimate death. The centurion who witnessed his death on the cross and was personally challenged and interacted and realized that he was the Son of God. The women in the tomb showing that all you need to do is come. Christ has risen and death has been defeated. The gift of salvation is freely available. There's one more set of eyes that the Christmas story reflects, and that's our eyes, our personal eyes, it's not as we fear it's not our family's eyes, it's our own eyes. This time we're looking forward. This free gift isn't accepted. And this is it's not some, it's, it's not something that the world will have here, because it's not part of the happy happy loving nature that, that humans like to put around Christmas and that sure it'll all be fine and we'll get together and we'll eat, drink, and get married. We're looking forward. If this free gift of Christ's salvation is accepted, we'll come a time when you're gazing upon the white throne. It's an awful sight, Revelation 20 and 11, that's just point. But there's no escaping from it or hiding from it. The rock people will cry out for the mountains to fall on them and they won't be able to hide. This is the judgment seat of God, where the sin of the world is judged. If you haven't asked for Christ's redemption, through this gift, he gives an offers freely. It's the last sight to see before you're thrown into hell. And that's not a happy, that's not a happy sight, and it's not thrown around casually. Christmas may have occurred, the original Christmas may have occurred 2,000 years ago, but the effects of that day on the cross are still going to affect you today. Not only does it affect you today, or can it affect you today, but it can affect you for eternity to come. Once again, a gift is offered, and a gift will either be declined or received. There's no true ways about it. And if myself or any other man or woman here can be of any assistance, please do not leave this spot without seeking other 
if uh, further further information or details are on this, we'd love to point you to Christ. There's no greater gift, as I said, this year than the gift of Christ, Christ's salvation. None of us know what tomorrow will bring. People this morning didn't know they were going to be in crashes down, down the Twin Road. And you know, we could walk out of here and the door could be shut. God can come tomorrow. But please do not leave. Do not leave without having a response to this. This freely offered gift. There's nothing, there's no need to improve yourself, there's no need to make yourself, well, as I mentioned, for feel better or try and get a better person. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do other than reach your hands out and accept this gift.